0: To the Colby Daniels podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City, my great friends now sponsoring the podcast. Take a look at their line of natural medicine products at abotanicalcompany.com or you can give them a call at 405-458-9699. Educate yourself on their products and how those products can benefit your life. That's what they're all about is helping people live a better life. Uh, not to mention They are doing so much to help their community. They're just great people. And again, local ownership, which I absolutely love. So check them out, Artisan Botanicals, abotanicalcompany.com, and the number is 405-458-9699. All right, big weekend of football in the books. I I know we still have Monday Night Football ahead of us. It's a real bummer that it's the Patriots and the Jets, two really bad football teams uh, that I wish somehow could have been flexed out of Monday Night Football, but... Uh, Bottom line is we have to finish this football week with the Patriots and the Jets, and that's a really big disappointment. Uh, It's even more disappointing because Oklahoma and Oklahoma State both played their last game for the next two weeks. Uh, We have a bye week for the Cowboys and the Sooners before their Bedlam matchup in less than two weeks from today. But in terms of X's and O's and matchups and where both teams are trending positively and where both teams are trending negatively, uh, I think this is an intriguing matchup. There is a lot on the line for this game. Mostly, you know, a spot in the Big 12 championship, I think, on the line in this game. And I can't wait for Bedlam in two weeks. It's going to be a ton of fun. And uh, wow, it's it's shocking that it's already here. It's, it's honestly shocking that we're this late into the season. And I know we started late and had cancellations, but it's kind of just been a sprint. And that's always the case when football season starts. It feels like time just seems, at least for me, to speed up in in some sort of weird way whereas with 2020 basically from January until football started I felt like we were at a crawl the year just seemed to move so slow but since football started again it just kind of feels like the weeks and the pace of these weeks just pick up and and it gets faster and faster and next thing you know we're looking at the home stretch of these college football schedules and the NFL being halfway through their season so uh, Bedlam A week or two weeks away and uh, that's going to be a lot of fun but neither the Sooners or the Cowboys in action this Saturday both teams have a lot of time to get ready for that matchup and a lot of time to get injured players healthy and uh, yeah I can't wait hopefully though on the flip side of that the biggest concern with both teams being off is obviously the free time and the freedom to uh, make bad decisions put yourself in in bad situations and You know, you just don't want to see a bunch of positive COVID tests uh, a week away from the big game. NFL weekend, the Cowboys give a scare to the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, behind Garrett Gilbert, and uh, it worked out the way it was supposed to. The Dallas Cowboys in tank mode played a heck of a game. They played with a pulse. They fought and clawed, and I think they had some Pittsburgh Steelers fans a little bit nervous, but the Steelers win. Cowboys get an L and move that much closer to a top-tier NFL draft pick. All right. We've got a big week ahead of us. Uh, I think Eric G is going to join me on Tuesday. Aaron Davis is going to join me on Wednesday, uh, toward the end of the week, we're going to hit a bunch of UFC. Uh, I think in terms of the divisions right now in the UFC, there's a lot to talk about and, uh, we've got some big cards ahead of us and we had a big card Saturday, Glover Teixeira over, uh, Tiago Santos was just incredible. What a, uh, I stood for the entire fight. It was that wild. And, uh, what a performance like by Glover to share. So we're going to hit some UFC a little bit later in the week. But I do enjoy uh, doing this on a daily basis, and I want to say thank you to everybody that has been tuning in to the daily stream. If you want to hit me up, you can do so at Colby underscore Daniels on Twitter, or you can hit me up on Instagram, Colby.daniels. And once again, I certainly appreciate you guys checking this out. My guest is the sports director of KOCO Channel 5 in Oklahoma City. He is also a great friend. He is Brian Keating, Brian, what's going on, my friend?
1: Man, hanging out uh, Monday on a, a bye week, man. It's it's weird that we've had so many of these bye weeks in the middle of college football uh, where, where neither school played. You know, they were supposed to play a couple of weeks ago, and then OSU got called off. But here we are, a scheduled bye week, kind of countdown on to uh, to Bedlam. And, and uh, I can't wait for that, man. It's going to be fun.
0: I know 2020 means and everything that's happened this year means things are weird and not normal and we just have to make the best out of bad situations, but I am 1,000% in favor of Oklahoma and Oklahoma State never again having the same bye week, ever again.
1: Man, it's tough in the middle of college football season. What do you do? Like, it's Monday and I'm thinking like Mike Gundy normally does his presser like, you know, I've got my news set up for the week. It's Gundy and then it's Lincoln Riley. And it's like, what am I going to put on TV today? I don't know. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I'm with you, man. Um getting too many of these breaks, it's been it's been kind of weird and then playing all the way till Christmas, but hey, it's it's what we've had to do to make it work in a COVID era. And I say kudos to OU and OSU who hadn't really had too big of an issue at this point.
0: Yeah, I think both state schools have shown, I mean, how well they've handled this whole thing. And look, yeah. some some of this, especially in Tulsa's case, I know they had the issue early. They've had a couple situations that haven't been their fault. So part of it is is luck with the other team, you know, being as responsible or being as lucky as you are. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I think you have to absolutely take your hat off to not only both football teams but but athletic departments and organizations, you know well beyond just the athletic program because it goes well beyond that,
1: yeah, I think oh, you know you've done a good job showing everybody how to do it um really I mean I, we haven't heard big outbreaks at least in the case of Oklahoma State you know they haven't had many guys miss at all and so I, I think that's been impressive and um but but really I think most of the college football's done a pretty good job just to have a season and and all that so um I've been pretty pleased with that but it is weird to have a bye week both teams don't play so what are we going to do on Saturday I guess we'll have to watch like Pac-12 football I don't, can we watch Pac-12 football I don't know that doesn't sound that great either
0: you can you, you can introduce the baby to Pac-12 football.
1: Uh, I don't. I don't think Jet's gonna be that fired up to watch <laughs> like Stanford and Cal either. So I mean, maybe there's a good game in the Big Ten. I don't know. Does Ohio State play? Uh, no, it, it'll be all right. It'll be, it's, it, in a way, it's a nice break in the middle of college football season for me because I don't have to work on a Saturday, uh, which is the first time in forever that I haven't had to work on a Saturday in the middle of college football season. But um, but it is strange, and I wish they were playing.
0: Did you catch any Pac-12 football last weekend?
1: What did I watch? I mean, I went to Colorado um, after I graduated OSU, so I, I like kind of kept an eye on the Colorado-UCLA game, but I don't care that much about it. And I, I guess I watched a little bit of the uh, USC-Arizona uh, State game because that, that was probably the best game in the morning, so I watched a little bit of that. It was all right. I saw highlights right. I like of that game, game yet.
0: and it obviously had a crazy finish with the onside kick and, and USC yeah. just making these— the tip pass for the touchdown i mean it was just kind of a crazy sequence to finish that game but i i would be lying if i told you that i saw any pac-12 football in real time
1: no i did see pac-12 football in real time i forgot about this uh pac-12 after dark is my favorite season of the year now Oh, um, okay. i don't care who's playing it's normally washington state that's playing i think they're like the pac-12 after dark game every saturday night so i did watch um the washington state um who did they play See, this is this is how tuned into it I was. I can't remember who they played, but I know it was Washington State, and I know they won the game. Oregon State? Oh, they State played maybe? Oregon State. Yeah, they okay. played Oregon okay. State. Yeah. And so I watched a little bit of that. That was like midnight. That's that's the best time to watch Pac-12. When everything else is over, I'll watch Pac-12. Yeah, yeah. I, like,
0: who's the – what is the college football finale crew this
1: year? What do you mean? Who's the group? Did we oh, get a new crew Council this year? Five, uh, is it like Jesse Palmer?
0: Palmer. Joey Galloway. Yeah. Did they get a new lead guy? It used to be Matt Berry, right? It, you, yeah, I believe so. He took over for Tessator last year, correct?
1: Yeah, I think that's right. Is, I is, think Matt Barry was is doing he it. He's still there? Okay. I think so. Yeah, uh, there have been
0: times that I'm, uh, you know, college football finals getting my viewing instead of the end of a. Pac-12. You know what?
1: You know, the thing about college football final is that, you know, we work at football games. So, you know, every Saturday, typically I'm at a college football game. So I don't have any idea what happened on almost any of the other games around the country. And so kind of what I've always done is that I'll get home at midnight or something and I'll go out and sit on the back patio until it gets too cold and, you know, pour up a whiskey and smoke a cigar and watch college football final. And that's sort of my oh, this is what happened while you were at the OU game or at the OSU game. And and now I'm not going to as many games because of COVID. Um, I know what happened in every game. So I haven't watched college football final that much.
0: You absolutely describe my situation. I've not watched it at all this year because I'm home. I've got like several screens going at the same time. So I'm pretty much, for the most part, caught up on everything now. Uh, I, I have missed small portions of games, especially when Steely and I have been doing our, our pregame stream. But right. uh, yeah, I it's, you know, for the most part, I'm pretty tuned into everything. And so I have I've not watched college football final. In fact, generally after whatever is the premier like seven o'clock kickoff game, once that ends, I'm usually firing up UFC about that point and, and watching totally. that the rest of the way.
1: Yep, I think that's that's pretty much describing exactly what I've been doing. Um, but there hadn't been that many games, so I've known what everyone has done throughout the rest of the country. I've gotten to see it at home, um, where in a normal year, I mean, I'm at a game every single week or preparing for a pregame show. You know, all those kinds of things, and um, just hadn't been the case this year. So I hadn't watched college football final, and I've watched a lot more UFC. I think that's exactly right.
0: Isn't it kind of weird that? So we have this off week for both teams and the next time both teams play it's going to be bedlam so it's almost like a two week bed like it's almost like game week is two weeks long for bedlam and it's kind of weird because neither team I, I don't feel like at least the fan base from either team was overly satisfied with what they saw on Saturday.
1: No that's probably right. It's like Super Bowl week, you know? Yeah, you win the yeah. you win the the championship game and then you've got the bye week and then you've got the build up to the Super Bowl. Um, I'm not sure that I would describe this year's Bedlam as build up to the Super Bowl, although The the stakes are enormous and I think you're right, you know OU didn't play great, but they didn't have to they played against Kansas and a lot of teams don't play great against Kansas Um, People have given me a hard time over the years saying that the going to to Kansas The road game against Kansas is actually a tougher game than anyone wants to give it credit for because there's no one in the stands you don't care. You know you're going to win. And so it's it's always a walkthrough. And And I think we saw that a little bit from Oklahoma, especially in the second half. They played a lot better in – or in the first half, they played a lot better in the second half. And then, you know, for Oklahoma State, gosh, might have been the worst half of football I've seen of a Mike Gundy team in, in I don't even know how long. You know, I got some answers, you know, 2014 TCU um, when I posted that on Twitter in the first half. But then the second half – like so many times during the Mike Gundy era, they just kind of cobble out and figure out a way to win a football game. And, and OSU plays close every single week. It's usually not pretty, but they've won more than they've lost. And and it, you know, going to Manhattan is a tough, tough game um, every year. It's tough, they had a bunch of guys out and they figured out a way to win, but I think you're right. Satisfaction-wise from OU and OSU, probably thinking we didn't play great.
0: Let's start with Oklahoma State uh, simply because, you know, the Kansas State game obviously from a competitive standpoint gives us more to talk about than, you know, the Oklahoma plays flat against a bad team because they know they're going to win by 50 regardless of how well they play. Uh, So I want to hit Oklahoma State first. What a weird season it's been for the Cowboys. And and the fact that some of the questions we're asking this late in the season are the questions we're asking to me is a little bit strange. I think it's strange that... By a pretty healthy margin, the defense is better than the offense, and we're talking about an oh. offense that has Tylan Wallace and Shuba Hubbard. Um, we're talking about an Oklahoma State team that two weeks ago looked like they were firmly in the driver's seat to land one of the two spots for a Big Twelve championship game, and now all of a sudden, a-, a loss that that shouldn't have taken place, a very close game that could have been a loss, and now your biggest opponent of the season in a couple weeks. I mean, it's you know things have really turned a corner. Uh, maybe not for the best in terms of the Cowboys season, but what do you think of this group and where they are right now? Are you do you feel better about them that they were able to maybe win a game like that, or are you on high alert that this team is not trending in a good direction?
1: Well, I mean, it depends on what you you consider trending in a good direction. I, I don't; they're not as good as we thought they might be because I think we looked at the beginning of the season and we thought. You know, Chuba Hubbard is going to be electric and Tylen Wallace is coming back as one of the best players in the country and, and Spencer Sanders is going to take that, that next leap and all the other weapons and parts that they had offensively You thought this group's going to score 45 or 50 every game. And they don't do that. They don't get to 30. You know, they, they've scored less than 30 in four of their six games. And one of those took overtime against Texas. So now you're looking at the only time they've scored 30 points is against Kansas. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that. They haven't had any continuity um, at quarterback. You know, Sanders gets hurt in the first game. They have no idea what they're doing. They finally rescue their season. And then you're playing the freshman and you get Sanders back and he's kind of feeling his way through that. That's one of the reasons. Um, Chuba Hubbard has not been nearly as good as advertised. He's been the second best running back in a lot of ways on their team. You know, I think L.D. Brown has had a better season at this point than Chuba Hubbard. Um, and then obviously the injuries at the offensive line and early season departures have just decimated that that offensive line group. Now, they still have good players. Um, you know, if, if Tevin Jenkins is healthy going into Bedlam, that that gives them a big boost, man. That guy's a big-time offensive lineman. And, you know, if they can figure out what to do at left tackle because Josh Sills can't play that against Oklahoma, um, then they got a much better chance. But offensively, they're just – they're not very good I mean let's just be honest they're not they're not very good offensively and and I didn't see that coming
0: the quarterback situation is interesting and I I feel like there's a pretty big divide in the Cowboy fan base as to whether it should be Spencer Sanders or Jake Illingworth and or Shane Illingworth I'm sorry and I, I think as the thing gets a little bit further down the road people are starting to really jump on the Shane Illingworth bandwagon uh I, I don't know what the right answer is, but I would say this. I'm not sure with what the offensive line looked like on Saturday, the way that it was constructed, which and it was a bad offensive line. Um, are they better when they're healthy? Yes, but, I mean, they're not, so I, I think it's fair to say they're, that's a bad group. Uh, a lot like the Dallas Cowboys, right? When the Dallas Cowboys are completely healthy, they're considerably better, but they haven't been healthy. We're watching right. a hodgepodge of guys. It's a bad offensive line. Same thing with Oklahoma State. Right now, it's a bad offensive line. I don't know that either one of those guys really has the opportunity to maybe realize their full potential at this point in time.
1: No, I think that's right. And, I mean, I, I, look, with, with Spencer Sanders, he's played 14 games now. So, you know, the, the target Mike Gundy always says is 20 games for a quarterback and you have a pretty good idea. And I think, I mean, we've seen enough of Spencer Sanders to think this guy's future – is super bright and and even in a lot of these cases in game to game you see the flashes and the reason why you go this one of the highest recruited players in the history of the school but for a team that isn't undefeated and number one in the country usually the most popular guy on campus is the backup quarterback man it's that way in the nfl too so we've seen enough of shane ellingworth to think his future is bright as well but trying to win a big 12 championship you're going to put a freshman who's played really two games and one of those was against Kansas and say, yeah, let's go against, you know, the biggest games of the year on the road against OU. I, I don't, I don't see that. I, I know you get frustrated at times when you see Spencer Sanders, maybe not read the defenses as fast, get the ball out of his hands as fast, but I don't think you're ready to start over and kick that guy to the curb. I think you've made your bed that he's your quarterback for 2020. You go into the spring in 2021, and you let those guys ballot out. Let the, the chips fall where they may. But I don't think at this point in the year when you're kind of the tail end of your season playing your biggest games, you're going to make a quarterback change. I don't think Spencer Sanders has been the difference between OSU scoring 40 and 50 a game and scoring 25 a game. I just don't. It The offensive line's been super up and down, and I don't care who plays quarterback you're not going to keep guys from, from tackling and, and running around, you know, that that's not gonna make a difference. So think their beds made, don't you?
0: I, I agree completely. I, I don't see how there's any way you can make a, a rest of the season type change. Now you play a game and Spencer Sanders out of the gate has a Spencer Rattler, Texas type start. Then, you know, maybe for that day, you're talking about changing things up and throwing a curveball and, and, Doing whatever you can to rescue a single Saturday, but yeah. I, I just I don't know how you you pull the trigger for the rest of the year at this point in time. I, I'll also say though, if you're in the camp that says the progression of Spencer Sanders is disappointing, I, I think you're spot on. Yeah. I, I just don't think there's a better option given the circumstance right now when you consider everything in play for Oklahoma State.
1: No, I think that's I, I think that's right. I, I, he has not been as competent a thrower as i would have hoped to have seen at this point um you'll see him make some dynamic throws um and then you'll see him make some really poor decisions um and and his ball security is below average man i mean i um you gotta hold on the football i don't care if you're getting tackled or running around i mean you you can't just throw it to the other team but um I, i thought he would be farther along at this stage in his career than he is and 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 uh, But but again, I don't think that's been the difference in this offense being a, a dynamic unit and, and where they are right now kind of running the mud.
0: How much is Casey Dunn, in your mind, playing a factor here? I don't know that I think it's a lot. Um, you know, some people point to the fact that it's his first time and, and you know, there's going to be a learning curve, period, when you take that seat. Uh, you know, I've heard a lot of people kind of say maybe Gleason and Yursich were a little bit better than they got credit for. Um, probably a little bit of all of that is true again I kind of go back to where it all starts and that's on the line of scrimmage and if you're not good there it's really hard to be good in other areas I don't know if they could scheme around it or not but I I think for the most part Casey Dunn has done a decent job I mean I I don't I don't don't necessarily look at and just think he's been horrible
1: no I don't think he's been horrible um I don't I don't think he's been outstanding. I think he's been okay. Um, and, and part of that is that is that we've come to expect the offensive coordinator at Oakland State to be a really good coach, like a really good coach. And I know that OSU fans, are go, like, Mike Yersic stunk. <laughs> I mean, all that guy did was, like, you know, have one of the top two or three offenses in college football every year. So I think Mike Yersic is a really good coach. Um, there are things you could kind of wrangle and go, he didn't do this or that and the other. I, he was a really good coach. And I think it was a big loss when he went to Ohio State. And now I think it's helped Texas. You know, for everything that Texas isn't, <clears throat> they're still in a pretty good position to go to the Big Twelve Championship too, and and their offense,
0: Shockingly,
1: yeah, uh, yeah, their offense is among the best in 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 the conference and college football. And the only thing in the chain, they don't have all these electric playmakers. They don't. Uh, they got a good quarterback, not a great quarterback, you know, a big, but but a good quarterback. And um, Mike Yurcich is a pretty good coach. So I'm not going to blame it all on Casey Dunn. I I, I don't think we've seen enough. Um i think at times look the adjustments he made in the second half against kansas state to pop a couple of big plays yeah. get the ball out of sanders hands quicker that was the difference between winning and losing and so i think he's done a much better job in second halves of football games um so that's coaching but i i don't think we've seen enough to say this guy's not any good i just don't think at this point he's as good as a guy that they've had like a mike kirsich or uh, you know larry fedora or uh Dana holgerson I, I, was asked, in that group.
0: I was asked last week if I thought Spencer Sanders was a either getting play calls to run the ball enough or b calling his own number to run the ball enough. And it's, it's kind of interesting because a year ago with Jalen hurts, it was the opposite situation where the question was like, is, is he just calling his own number when other plays are called? Or when there's a read option is, is he just calling his number instead of giving other people the opportunity? And it's kind of the opposite I feel like people want to see Spencer Sanders get more opportunities with his legs. And look, i, I mean, that's the reason he's on the football field, and Shane Ellingworth isn't. He brings another dynamic that—that that, you know, not a lot of other people have. He's—he's he's like a tailback when he runs the football.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I—they're—they're. I, they're, I think they're a little bit gun shy because he's been hurt. I mean, I, let's just be honest. I think they're gun shy because he's been hurt, and and Mike has seen these over the years. Quarterback injuries derail seasons. I mean, going all the way back to, you know, my years kind of escaped me, but with 2009 with Zach Robinson, when Zach Robinson got hurt against Texas Tech and then, and the rest of that season was was really poor. You know, I think OSU got blown out by OU and then lost the bowl game to Oregon. Um, J.W. Walsh getting hurt. And I, seeing Spencer Sanders at the end of last season go down, and now you're playing a guy who's way in over his head. Um, I think they they want to keep his contact – at a minimum you can even see that a little bit and that it's smart you can see spencer run and then oh god i gotta get down and he's got to work on his slide. he's got to call gotta call kyler murray kyler how do you do this slide thing because spencer doesn't doesn't really know how to do it but i think they're gunshot i mean um they they don't want to put that guy in harm's way the the only thing is is he's not a great thrower he's a superstar runner right so where's the you know you if you're gonna put him out there I've always been if you're gonna throw the guy out there you just gotta let him play yeah and you throw injuries to the you know caution of the wind that's what you do and if, if he gets hurt then we'll play the other guy but the reason he's out there is because he's he's a great runner he's a good he's a decent thrower but he's a great runner so I I think you're right I think you got to see him do that more
0: I, I compare it to the Cam Newton situation Cam Newton is uh, I mean he was an MVP in the NFL yeah. but he was an yeah, MVP when he was able to run the football. He was never good enough as a pure passer to not have the element of running available. You take that away and he's, is he average? I mean, he's probably below, a, a oh, he's below, average below average quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. So the only reason he was at that level is because of his running ability and it made the passing easier for him when defenses had to respect the running ability. The fact that he's not really that guy anymore obviously not only makes it tougher for the offense to to live on him throwing the football but makes it a lot easier for the defense as well to not have to respect that element of it I think it's the same thing with Spencer Sanders you can you can worry about the health and all that but what good is he really if you're not taking advantage of the one thing that separates him in terms of why he's playing
1: I totally agree with that And and I said that forever, you know, with Vince Young in the NFL. Or, you know, Vince Young, I mean, competent college football thrower. All-time great college football runner. Um, And I'm not saying Spencer Sanders is that. But um, I I would like to see them really try to get his, his running game in a better position. And I have been surprised a little bit. I thought we would see a million, you know, third down and sevens where Sanders drops back to pass, buys a little time, and then he picks up seven and a half. We've seen that a couple of times, but I don't think we've seen that very often. And the one thing I wish they would do, and, and OU does it brilliantly, is that they roll the pocket all the time, no matter who's playing quarterback, whether it's been Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, Spencer Rattler. I mean, you know, they'll, they'll roll the pocket. That helps your offensive line one, and it opens up the field for more avenues for guys to get creative with their feet. And, and for one reason or another, OSU never, ever, ever, ever does that. And, and I wish they did. I think that would help a guy like Spencer Sanders.
0: How much, uh, how, how, I guess I should ask, how conservative on the grand scheme, on the grand scale, do you feel like Mike Gundy is more conservative this year, about the same or less? Um, I, I feel like it's a criticism of his every year. I feel like maybe I'm hearing it even more this year. Now, that probably is also because the expectations are so high. Um, You know, I I made the joke on Saturday, and I missed the the end of the half against Texas a week ago, but I I made the joke on Twitter, has Mike Gundy ever tried to score at the end of of a first-half type scenario? And obviously he did you know steely and i were starting our our, (laughs) starting or finishing i can't remember a pregame show and i missed the one a week ago so I, i look like a complete dumbass there but uh like honestly i i couldn't remember a time where he really has made it a point to try and even get into field goal range before the end of a half and and i think once again that just speaks to oklahoma state fans feeling like he's not putting his guys in a position where they can actually go out and win games he's he's maybe just preventing them from losing games
1: yeah i mean i i that, think that's a fair criticism um but i think mike over the years um, i think he's pretty conservative in a lot of ways um especially when he thinks he has a better team you know um i think he thinks over the more possessions over the course of time if, if i get the better team then if we just don't screw up we're gonna win the game and i'll be honest They've been pretty good over that course of time. Now, they had not beaten Oklahoma. They had not beaten a lot of teams that are better than them, but that's been a pretty good strategy for him. Um, <clears throat> I was okay with this one on Saturday against Kansas State not, not going out there with 30 seconds and trying to get 50, 60 yards. I think the likelihood that they made a mistake and did something stupid was way higher than than it, it would have been otherwise, especially because, you know, you watch the first half, gosh, they did nothing. So, what are the chances now in 30 seconds we're going to go 50 yards? When we've got like 80 yards and a half. Um, and I think he's going to be scared forever because the one time he tried to do it against Texas, oh my gosh, it ended up turning into a Texas field goal. I, I think that's, I just think that's a little bit of who Mike Gundy is, but he's been pretty successful over the years, winning a bunch of football games. And it's one of the reasons I wish he played close every week. I mean, they play close every week against every team, it just doesn't matter. Um, but they win a lot more of those than they lose. They have
0: I'll tell you this and and I may be in the minority on this, but when he punted the football late, I think where were they at like the kansas state forty five ish i thought i
1: yeah I thought maybe they ought to go for that one.
0: I thought the punt was the right move, and it's it's mainly because as like as they had the football in that possession, I was sitting there thinking to myself, the defense is so much better than the offense. If I had to pick one unit or the other to win me the football game, I'm absolutely picking the defense. I don't even think it's debatable. I would much rather the defense be on the football field with a chance to win the game than the offense be on the football field with a chance to win the game just because I think there's that big a gap between how well both of these units have played. When he punted the football, I thought, you know what? I I think that's the right choice. I I don't think that that's the right choice 100% of the time with every team. In fact, I lean the other way the majority of the time but in this circumstance when your offense has been as bad as they've been and your defense has been as good as it's been yep i thought it was the right move to let your defense win you the game
1: no and and when i said i thought maybe they ought to go for it i mean you could tell that whole series that they were they were they were gonna punt we're gonna we're gonna right we're gonna call we're gonna let them call three timeouts and then and we're gonna punt um and so i much prefer look you can be cautious and still try to go get a first down and win the game. Um, but then once it got to fourth down, I, I I think that's right. And and the defense is so much better than the offense. I mean, the defense is elite, and I don't know where in the pantheon of college football, top five, top ten. I don't know, but they're really good. They got a lot of really good football players. And I Mike Gundy was asked, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago how to compare this team to the 11 team. And offensively, they're not even close, but, but he talked about the number of pros. You got to have this many pros or whatever, and I'm looking on, on that defense thinking they got a lot of dudes who are about to play in the NFL for a long time, and and so you know I, I don't know if they have a first round draft pick, but they got a lot of guys that are going to play in the NFL for a long time, and and um, I I'm I knew they would be good, but I, even me I'm surprised how good they've been. Here's the stat, Colby, um, this year when OSU scores under 30 points, they're four and the previous five years, they were three and eleven, wow scoring under thirty points. Wow! So uh that's how good the defense has been.
0: Yeah, I mean it's uh, there are the haters are going to say they don't pitch shutouts or whatever. Nobody in college football is pitching shutouts. Oh, I mean I don't care who LCC you are.
1: Football, they go up and down the field these days. Georgia
0: has has I I, I still believe Georgia has one of the best defenses in college football. But on the right Saturday against the right offense, I mean, the game today is designed for offenses to win. Uh, Georgia's been torched by 40-plus twice in, like, the last three weeks. Clemson on Saturday night. Trevor Lawrence yep. doesn't play quarter or, or linebacker or safety. Trevor Lawrence is a quarterback. They, right. they gave up 40-something, 47? Is that right, to Notre Dame? Yeah, now it's double overtime. Yeah. Um, I mean, close to 40 in regulation, though. Close to 40 in regulation. Yeah, I mean, it's... It, the offenses today have the advantage, and I just think the measuring stick for what a good defense is is completely different than it was even five years ago. I mean, five years yes. ago, Alabama was holding people to like seven and ten points every single week. Even Alabama's not doing that consistently over the last couple of years. It's it's you're, you're just you're not playing the same brand of football there are in this style of offense and in in the way that the game is officiated today. There are going to be big plays made. There are going to be teams that move the ball more. And and especially if your offense doesn't play a perfect game and your offense doesn't ever put you in bad situations, you know those are all things you have to account for. But this Oklahoma State defense is not only, I think, the best defense from the school that I've ever seen. I think it's the best defense in this league. And if I'm just comparing it, not, not statistically or anything, but comparing it to the defenses I've seen in college football this year, I think it's on the short list I don't know how how long that list is but i think it's on the short list for the best in the country
1: i I don't think there's any question about that and they do two things they do two things exceptionally well and i they tackle man when guys get their hands on you i mean you go to the ground they tackle as good as anybody in college football um and they they got big defensive backs and they can cover and be physical and and that's hard to find. I mean, it's hard to find guys at size who can cover, aren't afraid to be on an island. Um, I don't know if it'll work against OU. Um, OU's got some some big receivers and they've got fast guys and and they got a quarterback um, who might be able to take advantage of all the pressure that they're going to try to put on them. Um, I don't know. I know that that's what they're going to do. They're going to come after Spencer Rattler. They're going to say, if you're going to make throws, you're going to you're going to make throws with guys in your face. And you may throw seven touchdowns, but you're going to be tired at the end of the fourth quarter picking your butt off the ground. And so that's what they're going to do, and they're going to put the you know Trey Sterling and uh, all those guys in in man-to-man and single coverage, and let's see what you can do. Um, it's been super successful for them at this point. They've forced uh, – they're really good on third down. I mean, they're really good on third down. They're just – they're so much better than I thought they would be. I don't know if they'll be physical enough at linebacker for, to tackle Ramondre Stevenson twenty-five times, I don't know. Uh, that's going to be their biggest challenge. Uh, Brees Hall had a big, big afternoon against uh, against OSU. Now, in fairness, that was really two runs that Brees Hall yeah. got all those yards yeah. on. For the most part, they bottled him up and they they gave up two big plays, which I don't even mind the big plays. I love the way they play. Go get the quarterback. Uh, put pressure on the guys, and occasionally you're going you, they're going to pop one on you, but. um can they tackle Ramondre Stevenson 25 times? I don't know. Well, it's, it's I mean, the it's can Malcolm the anti, Rodriguez hold
0: up? They basically we'll run see. the anti-Mike Stoops defense because Mike Stoops never wanted yeah. to give up the big play. He never wanted to be aggressive enough to put his defenses in situations where Brees Hall might have two big gains on the day. Right. But in that process, they just got beat to death, you know, little by little over the course of 60 minutes. And with Oklahoma State, again, I think you just have to have an understanding that there are so many talented skill players in the country today. It, it Seemingly, every university or every other university probably has a skill guy that's going to have some NFL opportunities, even if they don't make teams. There's just so many guys that are capable of making a dude miss in space and doing something big at least once or twice a game. So you give up a couple of those, but if you're aggressive throughout the course of a game and you give up two of those, but for the most part, you're forcing three and outs. You're forcing uh, teams to get in situations they don't want to be in offensively,
1: do things they don't want to do. I don't think you can ask for more. Hey, one of the reasons they can do that is what I said. They tackle, man. Those those corners and safeties tackle. And it's it's impressive to watch. I mean, those are NFL tackling defensive backs. And you can't be aggressive. If those guys can't tackle the running back, you know, for a seven-yard game instead of a 37-yard game, I mean, you 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 can't do those things. Um, you know, I I think they'll be a little healthier with Harvell Peel coming back for the OU game. That's a that's a big win and and a big gain. And um, I'll give Jim Knowles has done a spectacular job. Um, you watch this OSU team play. How many times over the past five or six years? It's not like they didn't try to be aggressive under Glenn Spencer. I think he tried to do that. You would see the blitz, and no one would ever get to the quarterback. Like, they would blitz, and it'd be picked up 19 out of 20 times, and nothing would happen. When OSU brings pressure, it always gets home. Now, they might give up a big play if the quarterback gets rid of the ball and makes a great throw, but their pressure gets home as much as anybody, I uh, you know watching in college football, and I think that's a that's a scheme knowing where to bring it, and then having the guys that can that can do those things. All
0: right, I, I do want to talk about the Bedlam matchup, but before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about Oklahoma. So they lose to Kansas State, they lose to Iowa State, ugly game against Texas that they yeah. win in four overtimes. I thought a really good performance against TCU where they were able to get rid of their own mistakes and they showed the gap between themselves and TCU without giving the opponent some help. Uh, Same thing against Texas tech. I mean, just a a blowout win Kansas, you know, again, I know everybody is going to be um, maybe down on how sharp they looked because it was, it was not a sharp performance at all. Again, knowing what the, knowing the outcome was going to be Oklahoma by a lot, regardless of how they looked in that thing. It's just, it's hard to get anything out of a matchup like that. I do think it's interesting that they played basically a half against Tech and then a little bit more than a half against Kansas. And now you're going to have a week off before your biggest matchup of the year. So you're talking about a three-week stretch where you haven't had just a ton of reps for the ones. Uh, But I, I will say this, I thought Oklahoma's biggest issue and, and we know the defense is an issue and all that, but I, I did think that Oklahoma's biggest issue going into the Texas game was just their own mistakes. You eliminate a lot of those in, in the Kansas State and Iowa State games, and I, I think we're probably talking about different results. And look, I don't even think Texas is in the opportunity they're in in that game without Oklahoma's help. So, you know, I know Spencer Rattler threw the interception against Kansas. That was the first interception he had thrown since he got benched against Texas. Right. The penalties across the board are down. They were one of the worst penalized teams in college football before that TCU game. They've cut back on that. We haven't seen a bunch of special teams miscues. That seems to be, at least in the last three weeks, corrected. Now, I understand the level of opponent hasn't been great either, but they're they're seemingly better at not giving the opponent extra opportunities, which is, again, I think it was their biggest issue early.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, they, they were ahead by... Um, you know, multiple touchdowns in all those games. And so, you know, when just playing better in the fourth quarter has been a, a big deal for them. And I think, you know, obviously the improvement, you get way up against TCU and Tech and Kansas and just don't let anybody back in the game. Don't give up big plays. I think that's been the, the big thing. Um, they haven't given up many big plays at all. Um, they gave up a, a ton of big plays to Kansas State. Um, gave up a, a bunch of big plays. Is that my computer there? Playing a compu- playing a commercial? <laughs> So it might happens, be you know uh well all right i'm gonna x out of that that's fine uh <laughs> i think it was that's all right you know right hey when you're doing these things on computers yeah, hey. you know it's just i got the espn pop-up i think it just started playing a commercial uh they haven't given a big place um and i think that's been the difference they hadn't turned it over and and they've gotten um healthy and more organized and um their offensive lines coming back Getting ramondre stevenson um is enormous. That guy's, you know, that guy's a, a big tight. That guy's an NFL running back all day long, and um, getting their guys, you know, Ronnie Perkins back on that defense has, their defensive line is, has been dominant. I know level of play. I, I don't care. You watch those guys; they're killing the quarterback every week. And so, I think I'll use the favorite to win the Big Twelve championship again. And it took them a couple of weeks to figure it out, but they have figured it out, and boy, uh, they look pretty scary.
0: Yeah, the defensive line to me is maybe the strength of the team. And it's it sounds crazy to maybe say that anything defensively is the strength of an Oklahoma team. But when you look at, you know, early it was, I think Isaiah Thomas for me was the guy that really stood out early yep. for the Sooners. And it seemed like every time he was on the, yeah, he was just phenomenal. And we've seen Perry on Winfrey, I think, just get better as the season has gone on. Uh, Nick Benito is another guy that seems to really be coming on and then you add who I think is their best defensive player period to the mix Ronnie Perkins Uh, that that group has been really good and again I think they're only going to get better especially with the inclusion of Ronnie Perkins and him working his way back into game condition and and you know just being a part of of a moving machine that has moving parts he's gonna figure out how he fits into that thing and he's gonna get better as time goes on as well so I do think that's their best unit on the football field is that defensive line also the thing about that is it masks a lot of the issues in the in the back two levels of the defense Absolutely. so when that group is is terrific and that group is pressuring and doing everything and, and being disruptive on the line of scrimmage you can get away with maybe some of those uh inefficiencies as as I'll just call them to be nice with uh with the rest of the Oklahoma defense but yeah, yeah that that group I'm 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 really excited to see how they continue to improve as the season goes on. But as it stands right now, they are fantastic.
1: You can take advantage of OU in the secondary. I mean, let's just be honest. You can. Absolutely. Um, You know, what I was saying, OSU had all those big physical corners and safeties. OU doesn't have that. They don't have the big physical um, corners and safeties. And so you can take advantage of them. And Iowa State did a great job getting guys matched up on to uh, Brendan Radley-Hiles. I refuse to call him Buki. It's Brendan Radley-Hiles. Um, and, and I think, I think there's going to be some opportunities for OSU to do those kinds of things. Now you, you, in order to do that, you got to block for a little bit, you got to block for a little while, but I think with, uh, you know, Tylen Wallace, Jelani Woods, they, they, there might be some opportunities to take advantage of those guys, but that's what the, the OU defensive line has done is it's just taken away any ability to try to throw the ball down the field. And that's, That's turned that defense around and and um I think Alex Grinch has done a good job and then obviously just getting guys back and healthy and and playing that's that's been pretty important
0: how weird was it seeing Spencer Rattler play as you can obviously tell he's in some pain I I don't know I don't think he was injured per se he you know it's the old are you hurt or injured type thing I think he was just hurt but yeah uh, the fact that it was Kansas a lot of people were like get this dude out of the game it makes no sense you're up by a ton but again I go back to the point that your starters played a half against tech your starters are probably penciled in to play about a half against Kansas yeah. and then you have a week off that's not a lot of playing time in a three-week stretch before your rivalry matchup
1: no I, I think that's a good point I think that's the only reason that they they left those guys out there is they just needed the work hadn't played in a, an important football game in the second half in in forever um, so I think they needed the work, and I understand why they did that. Now, yeah, I think Spencer Rattler has got to be a little bit more aware. I mean, we don't need to be taking shots. We're not trying to run over linebackers to get in the end zone. Come on, man. I mean, like you know, let's let's be smart. Let's let's take the the, the Kyler approach instead of the Baker approach. I know I work for Baker m- most of the time, but let's take the Kyler approach instead of the Baker approach. Um, I might have been. Uh, i, I might have taken him out of the game just say yeah let's just let's let's slow this down and, and let's get but i understand why they played him
0: yeah again i think it's just a rep thing uh but it was curious and it, i it couldn't help but laugh like he scores that touchdown and i didn't have the volume on so at that right. point at least so I, I wasn't really for sure what was going on but he scores the touchdown you were watching
1: on the big screen by then yeah yeah
0: yeah it, well it, it was more of you know competitive at yeah. that point yeah that's and, what i mean uh, you know he lowers his shoulder, and I'm like, "Oh, what is Spencer?" I mean, like, he's just trying to disrespect somebody at this point. And then the yeah. next drive, they're showing him like limping, and I'm like, "Did he hurt himself on that play?" Uh, very bizarre, very weird. I did turn the sound on after that though, and it kind of sounded like they were reading his eulogy. I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't know if you saw any of the broadcast, but they <laughs> they essentially from that point on made it sound like it was Willis Reed coming back in the NBA Finals and uh it yeah. was that part of it was kind of comical but yeah kind of a strange thing to see spencer rattler out there i also wonder how much of that was lincoln riley just wanting to see him face a little adversity if you could like I mean, if you I, know it's not a serious issue maybe it's just wanting to see how he faces a little adversity
1: see if he's if he's, if he's just sore go out there and fight through that and and see what his toughness level is i could i totally understand that um i I think they're in the meeting room? They're they're running the rewind button, you know? They're like, all right, let's not go shoulder to shoulder with the line. I mean, like, there's just there's no need for that, you know? There's no need for that. No time and and circumstance and an opponent, you know? You don't you don't have to do that. But um,
0: maybe he does that to yeah, Buki I, in practice every week, and so he felt confident about just lowering his shoulder against a DB.
1: Maybe yeah, Buki's not supposed to tackle him, so he's got he's got full go to run into Buki and knock him down because um, because he can't he can't return the favor um no but I, you're right about the broadcast man they they acted like he may never walk again and then it, you know here he is saving the day um i whatever i um i assume he'll be fine for osu and the week off and um why lincoln played him i don't know i probably wouldn't have done that but um it doesn't appear that that's a big injury
0: Austin Stogner is the one that's concerning for me because I, it baffles me, and, and we've said this with some of Oklahoma State's tight end slash H-back back guys, the fact that they get ignored for as much as they do, and I'm not trying to suggest that Stogner's ignored, but he's such a mismatch, and he's so gifted and so talented, I don't understand how this guy's not averaging double-digit catches a week. Like it's to the point that every single week you look at his matchup situation yep. and you think, how are they not specifically calling plays for eighteen? The guy should be, I, I think, at times the focus of the offense.
1: Man, I, I, I would throw it to him as many times as they did Mark Andrews. Like I would, I would. That's exactly what I would do. I mean, he's as good a receiver as they have, and they have some really good ones. Um, but I, yeah, I'm. His would make me a little nervous, too. I know Lincoln said, you know, he thinks he's fine and all these things, and maybe that's the case. Uh, but but when you're – I mean, I don't know where he's on the – he might be their best offensive player. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson have, make a pretty good case for that. and They got a lot of good offensive players, but he's as good as any of them. And so um, if he's not healthy, that's obviously a big deal. But I think you're right. I, I don't think they throw it to him enough. Um, he made enormous catches in the Texas game, and, and you just see him every week – He's such a big physical presence, uh, but he runs like a wide receiver. I mean, you can't ask linebackers to cover him. They can't do it. I mean, he's he's not as big as a Gronkowski, but he's a, he's a Mark Andrews kind of a clone, and I would throw it to him more than they do.
0: Think about how every single week, you know, as as covering Oklahoma, we look at matchups, and it's almost like every week we're asking – the question like, why aren't defenses attacking Buki even more? And I know they make it a point to do it, but it feels like it can be done a lot more and you're going to have a lot more success. There's just, there's a clear and obvious mismatch that some teams maximize that advantage and some teams really don't. And, and I feel like on the reverse side of that, it's the same thing with Austin Stogner. Almost every single week, you can see there's a pretty clear advantage for Oklahoma and it's your choice, whether you want to maximize that advantage or maybe save it and occasionally use it when you really need a big play or something but for the life of me I don't understand how this dude isn't basically having the kind of season that Kyle Pitts at Florida is having
1: yeah I don't I don't think you have to disguise plays for Austin Stockman right. at, you know if, right. if you're if you're waiting for the play that he goes we'll wait until it's let's third hold nine, back on that one yeah yeah I mean you don't have to do that I, I think that's right I think he's he's that good a football player but yeah I mean, they got a lot of good offensive players I mean whether you're talking about you know Marvin Mims or you know Charleston Rambo or a whole bunch of other guys, so it's it's not like um, they don't have opportunities to spread the wealth and they do. And and the one thing Lincoln always trade, he likes to throw the ball down the field um, to guys running down. So um, there's gonna be plays for Stogner and and uh, but he would be my probably my my focal point. I throw it to him more than I that throw it to everybody else.
0: I heard a lot of comps for Ramondre Stevenson on Saturday, so I want you to give me one, but. Uh, through two games, the guy has carried the ball 24 times. He has five touchdowns. He's got a pretty pretty impressive combination of size, strength, and speed. Uh, yeah. I like the guy. There was a legit conversation toward the end of last year whether or not he was the best of the three running backs. Now he's really getting his first opportunity to be the guy because for as good as TJ Pledger and Seth McGowan and those guys are, and especially the potential with those guys – there's no question that Ramondre Stevenson is by far your best running back today. Uh, he's going to be the bell cow the rest of the way. What's your comp on Ramondre Stevenson?
1: Oh man, comp. I don't know. I mean, he's uniquely big and fast. Not like uh, Derrick Henry big. He, he's not like a Derrick Henry big, but his size reminds me some of like Ezekiel Elliott and the way that that he can you know power through guys, but he can run away from guys I mean me and Carson uh last night on in the boards you know kind of talked about he might be the best back in the big 12 and 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 that's a big 12 with Chuba Hubbard in it and, and Brees Hall and, and Brees Hall that's right and so he might be the best of the bunch especially when you look ahead to to the NFL so with that you know just kind of off the top of my head he reminds me the most of Ezekiel Elliott um size and and speed and things that he can do and he's he catches the ball too I mean and, and that's one of the things that that Elliott can do so um he can do it all man he's gonna play in the NFL forever. Sooner fans may not like
0: this comp but but and I'm not saying he's as good as this guy was or any of that I'm just saying that that his style reminds me of this guy with the combination of strength and run you over and agility for being as big as he is but ricky williams is the guy that like say that i I just i can't help but think of when i see him run the ball
1: yeah as you were talking i said yep he's gonna say ricky williams (laughs) and that's exactly what you said um which which means that that's a pretty good comp because you you thought of it and i thought of it kind of at the same time um it makes a lot of sense to me i mean size and speed and ricky williams played for forever in the nfl and won the heisman trophy i think that's a good comp i mean size and speed um vision um that's that's high praise for a guy like like you said, I mean, I don't know that he'll he'll be that good, but we both kind of saw that I, I think you're right,
0: yeah, and again, it that's just a stylistically type comparison, not saying he he is as good or any sure. of that, but um when I when I watch him run, I feel like defenses maybe take his speed for granted. He's not winning a gold medal in the 100 by any means but if you don't respect how fast he is he's going to run by you and he has the ability to run you over and again I think you, sometimes you see the combination of the physicality and the speed within the same play and that was that was always the case with Ricky Williams I felt like every one of his runs was a combination of physicality and then run away from somebody
1: yep and tough to get to the ground I mean I you know um yeah that's one of those guys you ask corners and safeties to start tackling Ricky Williams or Ramondre Stevenson a bunch man it's gonna be a long afternoon
0: at the beginning of the season, I kept telling everybody, kind of the Aaron Rodgers thing, uh, just relax as far as Spencer Rattler and the mistakes. We're really going to get a good idea as to where he is in two weeks. It's going to be the yep. best defense he's faced all year long. Now, the good thing for him is you're getting a couple weapons back. Stevenson rejoins the mix, which is going to be probably the the toughest thing that Oklahoma State has faced, and, and you know, that's also understanding Brees Hall – Uh, had a couple of pretty good runs against them. Jaden Hazelwood rejoins the mix. And look, for as good as Oklahoma's receivers are and as good as I think they're going to be down the road, for the most part, they're all still pretty young. We've seen a lot of drops within this season. So I think getting as much firepower back as possible is a good thing for Spencer Rattler and and maybe the trust that he's going to have for his pass catchers. But this test against Oklahoma State certainly is going to tell us a lot about maybe – where we expect him to go the rest of the way
1: yeah and and uh, it's like we talked about a minute ago I mean I I know what OSU is going to do to try to they're going to go after him because that's what that's how they play they're going to make him make quicker decisions than he wants to and they're going to make him throw the ball on target and on time and there's going to but there's big plays to be had against that OSU defense because if you can make a perfect throw or you can fit a window there are plays to be made but they look at it as that I like our guys getting to you better than you can make the perfect thrower enough times to beat us. And so Spencer Rattler is going to have to pick his butt up off the ground a lot, Uh, but there's plays to be made. And, and I, I'm interested to see what his composure is going to be like under duress because I think he will be under duress.
0: Yeah. It's, it's composure and decision-making. I think when you're under pressure we saw Notre Dame do this a lot the other night against Clemson and their young quarterback. And there were there were a few opportunities where he made them pay and made the right decision really fa- fast. And obviously the the arm ability is just out of this world. But um, yeah. you know there were also a lot of times where they got to him or at least made him question what he was doing. And the result of that was was a good play for the Notre Dame defense. Spencer Rattler, to your point, I think is going to make some good plays. His arm ability is just too special not to. But the question is, will he limit the mistakes in those situations where he sees everybody is coming and his clock has to be faster? He has to make the right decision really fast. Is he going to turn the ball over in those situations or is he going to make some big plays? I think it's probably a combination. I would anticipate he's going to make some big plays in that game. He's also probably going to make the wrong decision and throw the ball away, or at least to Oklahoma State a couple times in that game as well. This game, I think, is, is – I don't know that I've ever been more excited about an Oklahoma-Oklahoma State matchup just from an X and O matchup standpoint on both sides of the football.
1: We got the best defense in the conference, I think, by a lot. Um, and I saw some conversation on Twitter, and I don't remember who brought it up, but um, on Saturday that, that this OSU defense might be the best defense in the Big 12 in a decade. Um, I'd have to, to run back through the defenses in the Big 12 in the last decade, but you know, since 2010 or 2011, I don't know who's had the best one of those. I, mean, I, I don't think we're talking about dominant kind of defenses being played. In it. And so maybe the best defense in the Big 12 in 10 years. Um, and I think the two best units are going to be on the field. That's the OSU defense and the OU offense. I mean, I, you know, and, and, and so that's going to be really fun to watch. Um, at this point, I would probably put the OU defense ahead of where the OSU offense is. Um, and so I, that to me is the matchup that's going to decide the game. What's a number? What's a number for you? If you can circle, if OSU can hold OU to this, they got a pretty good chance to win a game.
0: Oh man, it's got to be like 21, maybe. Really? They're, not hold, they're, they're not holding. They're not you to 21. I don't, I don't think so I, either. I yeah, I don't think so either. They're I, not holding them to 21. The Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma State has the best and worst unit on the field in that game, and and I say yeah. the defense the best, and that's by a slight margin over the Oklahoma uh, offense. And really, the only reason I'm giving them the edge is because they have a lot of experience on that defense, whereas with the Oklahoma offense, they're dynamic, and they absolutely have the capability of torching Oklahoma State defensively. But I think the inexperience and the amount of drops we've seen, uh, you know, the the breakdown, Spencer Rattler's immaturity to a degree at the quarterback position just makes me lean slightly toward the Oklahoma State defense as far as that matchup goes. But you're, but you're right on the other side. When was the last time we said going into a football game that the Oklahoma State defense was going to be or the Oklahoma defense was going to be better than their opponent and that might be the case with this Oklahoma State offense especially if they're not any better on the offensive line looking at how well Oklahoma has played on the D line that could be a pretty smothering type situation
1: no it could be I I expect I expect the OSU offensive line to play better um they needed a week off so bad 1000 percent and they've got to make some decisions and changes. And one of my—they've been playing, you know, Josh Sills out at left tackle. Like that—that that ain't gonna work. They got to figure out what to do over there. But I think this was a perfect time for them to get a little bit of a break, um, health-wise, especially up front. But the number for me can—can can the OSU defense hold OU to thirty? All right. If they can hold them to thirty, they—they're gonna have a chance to win the game. Now I don't—I don't know if i don't know if, I don't know if that, that'll get it done, but um, they're gonna have a chance to win the game. And I think that's. I think that's within their sights. So 30 for me, though you gets into the, the mid to 30s, I don't think OSU can score that many points. But if they can hold them to about 30, I think they got a chance to win.
0: I, it's really interesting for that. Oklahoma, like I have a hard time thinking without maybe like Spencer Rattler turning the ball over and Oklahoma State getting some short fields. And again, this sounds crazy to say, because we understand how many holes are in that Oklahoma defense. I, I, I don't see how they get to 30. Without help.
1: Well, they might get help. I mean, that, that's yeah. the thing too right. is that um, you know they needed help on Saturday. Yeah. But the the defense figured out a way to get a strip that ended up in a touchdown. So I, I think the defense is going to have to make some plays, give them some short fields, and give them easier opportunities. Um, I do think there's plays to be made against the OU defense for sure. You just going uh, to have to you just you're just going to have to block for a minute, and I don't know if they can hold up. So. They're going to have to be creative. They're going to have to try. I mean, the one thing that I think might be there um, some is, is a screenplay, and uh, I, I think that's been one of OSU's best offensive plays is is that little screen to, to Chuba and, and get him in some space. Um, that might be there some, but they're going to have to be creative. They're going to have to scheme against that offensive line a little bit. But if you can block um, OSU's personnel – at receiver and tight end can give OU secondary all kinds of fits. I just don't know if they can block.
0: Yeah. It's crazy to look at that Oklahoma State team, especially at the skill positions. From a fantasy football standpoint, I mean, this this should be like one of the best offenses in the country, right? Tyler Wallace is as good as any receiver in the country. Yep. You know Chuba Hubbard. I understand the struggles, uh, but he should be better. LD Brown has really saved them multiple times this season. Uh, yep. You look at you know the guys that are seldomly used, like Landon Wolf. I think is pretty good. Jelani Woods has an opportunity to be a mismatch. Dylan Stoner's a really good player every week. Dylan Stoner is a really good player. How about finally getting Presley involved this yeah, weekend? Like yeah. their skill positions are are enormously talented.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I was glad to see a guy like Brendan Presley get on the field. I think that adds a, a another element of somebody that you're going to have to to figure out. And you know, sitting there, one chuba Chuba, uh, I don't know if it's just him trying to pop a big play every time or, or or what it is, but you can't convince me that all the big runs this year are LD Brown. You can't convince me that the other whoever they're playing goes well. It's not Chuba in the backfield. We're gonna play a lot of different kinds of defenses i don't believe that every time there's a big run it's ld brown and so i'm not sure exactly what's going on with chuba as far as that goes and i tried to um especially when osu was losing last week it just it reminded me some of when uh, marcus smart came back for his sophomore year after a huge Absolutely. freshman season. Absolutely. Uh, now, without the the incident at Texas Tech and all the bad things, but it just reminded, you go, this guy's the best player in the country. And then it just didn't quite happen. Now there's plenty of chances left out there on the table for that to happen. If he goes for 200 yards against Oklahoma, then we go, oh, see, we told you. But um, I'm not sure what's going on with him.
0: I, I think that there is something to the way that defenses approach this team when Chuba Hubbard's in the game. And I'll use Kansas State as an example. I was in Stillwater a year ago watching Chuba Hubbard go for was it 296 or 298 yeah. or whatever it was just under Are 300, there... but yeah. that was one of the most special things that I've seen on a football field in my lifetime. And and I'm glad that I just happened to, you know, I think the OU game if I remember right had had been an early matchup. Got done with yep. post game, made the trip to Stillwater and watch Chuba Hubbard just torch a Kansas State defense to the point that, like, literally everybody in the stadium, every play, wanted Chuba Hubbard to get the ball because you thought he was going to take it to the house every time he touched it. And I know that played a factor on Saturday with Kansas State. There is no way in hell they were going to allow Chuba Hubbard to beat them again. Every dude on that defense a year ago was embarrassed by a running back going for essentially 300 against them. So I think there are some matchups where they say, you know what, score 40 on us any other way, but you're not beating us the same way two years in a row. I also think, to your point about Marcus Smart, uh, that's completely accurate, and I've heard people say this, Chuba Hubbard looks extremely frustrated a lot. I don't know how you wouldn't be second-guessing the decision to stay and the frustration wouldn't grow from week to week when you were a 2,000-yard rusher Everybody talked about what you could be in the NFL and the money you could have made. And to be going through this situation where the offense isn't good, you're hearing a lot of criticism. The statistics aren't even close. You're seeing a different look from defenses this year every week than you did a year ago. I I think that the slow start probably started maybe some second-guessing. And when you start second-guessing, there's frustration. And when that becomes a weekly thing it's just going to grow. So a lot like the Marcus Smart situation, I think that is dead on. I've not heard anybody say that, but I think you're absolutely right with both of those guys. You could see from their demeanor and their body language as the season has gone on that frustration is a part of what they're experiencing. They don't look like the same confident, head held high, I'm ready to go, you know, take out everybody in my path type mentality.
1: Yeah, I think he's been banged up. I mean, I think that's been an issue. I... Um, but I think the second guessing could be he's looking to pop the big one every single time. You know, Try, he, he, he came into this year thinking, I can win the Heisman Trophy. And I, I vote for the Heisman Trophy. I, I voted him third at the end of last season. I put him third on my ballot for the Heisman Trophy. And he thought, I can win the Heisman Trophy. And then the first week against Tulsa, oh, my gosh, I lose my quarterback on the first series. Um, this is not happening. Like I can, you can begin to see that frustration. Um, he didn't play well in the West Virginia game. The big run actually was LD Brown. Like I yeah. said, um, Chuba, but um, they. If if this team wants to go eight and one and get to the Big Twelve championship game, which that appears to be what they're going to have to do, they're going to need a. I don't know that Chuba. I don't know that there's going to be fifty-five yard runs against Oklahoma. He's gonna. it's going to have to be workmanlike and tough and physical. And um, if they can beat OU, I think it's going to be in the strength of their, their running game, because I think that OU pass rush will really bother Spencer Sanders.
0: What do you think about Tylen Wallace this season? I, I had this conversation a week ago. You know, I know he's not having the same statistical type season that he's had in the past, but I, I would say this about Tylan Wallace. I feel like when he does get opportunities and maybe that's just the bottom line his opportunities aren't there like they've been in the past when he does get mm-hmm. the opportunities he's as good as he's ever been he's just oh, not getting the same sort of opportunities that he has in the past
1: dude the the catch that he made i'm trying to think when that against texas as as they're down by a field goal and they're in panic mode the catch he made against texas coming back and getting undercut in the middle you think, this guy is unbelievable. The touchdown that he made in his Texas, you go, this guy is superhuman. Um, he's not as athletic, as athletically talented as a guy like Dez Bryant, but he reminds me so much of Dez who could just go get the football, high point the, high point the ball that just throw it up to two and let that guy 50-50 it and you're going to make a bunch of plays. That's a pretty good play. Just throw it up to two. Um, He's having a great year. And the numbers, I don't care what the numbers say. He's having a great year.
0: He, to me, is is so interesting. The first time I was ever around him was at a Big 12 Media Day. And I asked somebody, like, who is that? And they said, Tylan Wallace. I was like, there's no way that's Tylen Wallace. He's a very unimposing figure. And and even more than that, not just the the size and the build, like, he even has just a nice face. Like, he he doesn't look like me, you know, like... (laughs) He just looks like a nice, regular dude, and you watch him line up even, and in pads, he doesn't look scary. You know, James Washington wasn't a big guy, but James Washington looked like a tailback when he lined up out there. Des Bryant looked like one of the most imposing figures we've ever seen at the wide receiver position in college football. Uh, You know, Oklahoma State's had a bunch of those type of guys. Adarius Bowman was a guy like that. Rashawn Woods you you just looked at him on the football field and thought that guy's a problem Tylen wallace doesn't look like that at all yet i don't know that i would take anybody that oklahoma state has had maybe other than justin blackman over Tylen wallace
1: well justin blackman is one of the best college football players i've ever seen in my whole life yeah um that that guy was that guy was different than everybody else um but you're right and, and the thing that the wallace does so well man he catches the ball with his hands He never lets the ball get into his body. And that's why he can high point the ball. That's why he can catch the ball over guys. That's why you hardly ever see him drop the football because he catches the ball with his hands. And he's just, uh, he's a great route runner. Um, He is tall enough and athletic enough. He's not super fast. He doesn't do anything. But at the end of this thing, he just, um, when there's a contested catch, he's as good as a contested ball catcher as, as there's ever been at OSU. And, and that's probably his greatest skill. Just so many times, it's a 50-50, and he'll go up, and he'll come down with it, and you go, how, how in the world did he do that? I don't know, but that's just, those are the kinds of things that he does that reminded me of Des Bryant and why I kind of make those two guys a comparison. Yeah. Just contested catches, he's as good as they've ever had.
0: All right, I, I gotta hit the Dallas Cowboys before we wrap this thing oh, up. Um, you and I spent... A good majority of our Sundays this season texting back and forth about just the complete misery that we're in watching our favorite team. Yeah. I'm well past that point to, to the too. point that – I was a little. I, I almost felt disappointed yesterday that they were leading the Pittsburgh Steelers for the for the majority of the the game because I had finally reached the conclusion that you know what it's just best if they lose the rest of their games this season. They rest their players and get them healthy to make a run next year. And I, I kind of just cannonballed into the deep end of the Tank Twenty Twenty pool. And then yeah. here we are in the fourth quarter with a league against the only undefeated team in the NFL. And I was I was conflicted about what I wanted to happen and how I wanted that game to end. <laughs> Uh, but you know that it, it worked out the way it was supposed to. It worked out the way that I think we all imagined it was going to work out, and that was a Pittsburgh Steeler win. But for the first time all season long, it kind of felt like the Dallas Cowboys had a little bit of a pulse.
1: Hey, I, I see. This is if you're going to tank, this is the way to tank, man. Entertain me for 59 minutes and then lose. It's that's that's perfect. This is what I thought the Thunder were going to be all year. You go, they're going to be entertaining, they're going to be in every game, and then they're going to lose all these games. And They ended up winning a bunch. I, I don't think the Dallas Cowboys are going to win a bunch of these games, but that was, it was perfect. I got a great Sunday to <laughs> watch the Cowboys play close, and then when it's all said and done, they're, they're, they're tanking. And uh, so I think that was the best of both worlds.
0: I got to be honest, I spent more of my afternoon watching the Kyler Murray to a Tonga of Iloa matchup, Cards, yeah, Dolphins, fun. than I did Cowboys, Steelers, but... Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, they they were competitive, and the defense wasn't just uh, – I mean, there was – for the first, what, six weeks of the season, they were on pace to be the worst defense in the history of the NFL. Yeah. Uh, so, against an undefeated team, I, I think a lot of that was also Pittsburgh just having – zero. I mean, this is the Kansas factor. I think Pittsburgh sure. came into this game like Oklahoma went into the Kansas game and just thought, this is the Dallas Cowboys, and we're going to win. It's just whether we win by 50 or we – take it easy and maybe just have to do it at the end but uh yeah what a what a weird game what a weird season
1: yeah but it it was it was fun like they were like a little league team they were pulling out all the tricks and the stops and the the punt throwback like it was like this is super awesome like if you're gonna go down if you're gonna be one of the worst teams in the nfl like be fun and uh and so i'll give For the first time all year, I think I'll give the Cowboys coaching staff a ton of credit. They're throwing out all the stops. They're doing everything they can to try to maneuver points. And and at least in that locker room, they know they're not any good. They know they're not going to the playoffs. They thought they could be going to the Super Bowl before this thing started. And that's obviously thrown out the window. But at least on a week-to-week basis for those guys, if you think your coaches are going to do everything they can to try to win a football game, at least it keeps you – involved in a season when it just it'd be really easy to lay down and say I'm tired of this crap there's no way
0: those guys are coaching for their job right
1: no I I mean I I mean it's a a done
0: deal right I mean they're gonna be gone at the end of the season yeah I can't imagine think so
1: I mean maybe some of those guys I mean I I think you could you could legitimately ask questions about kellen moore at office of coordinator for the last couple of years i mean I, th- I think you could ask questions about that um but i don't it's not like they're gonna fire mike mccarthy that's not i mean dak prescott got hurt now they weren't any good then either but um that's a built-in excuse but you think they're gonna fire guys uh yeah Who, who's gonna get fired My, mike mccarthy
0: you think Mike McCarthy I don't think there's is gonna any way you can bring him back i i know there are a lot of special circumstances Ooh. in 2020 but for a team that the front office has clearly and still clearly says is one of the most talented teams in the NFL. There's no way that they feel like enough of this is just bad luck, even before the Dak injury to say. And, and then you get all these reports uh, spilling out of the locker room that, that the players think this coaching staff is completely inept. Um, you and I have had the conversation about Jalen Smith. Like, he legitimately a year ago was a top-five linebacker. Now he looks like he doesn't even belong on a football field. You can't convince me that the guy just forgot how to play or is no longer able to run or any of that. Like, they're just not putting guys in situations to excel. And I also think, once again, this goes back to a conversation we've had for the last few years in regards to Jerry Jones. I don't think Jerry Jones is not a patient man at this point in his life. He understands there is a limited amount of time to put together a winner – before you know he's he's no longer with us and I think he senses the urgency as much as anybody it makes zero sense to change it within this season and to be quite honest if you're trying to tank it makes more sense to keep this coaching staff around and that takes care of itself but I I would be honestly pretty shocked either that or I think everybody on planet earth has told them no if they were to retain Mike McCarthy and especially Mike Nolan
1: Oh, uh, I think Mike Nolan's definitely going to get fired. Um, what was McCarthy? I mean, I know money is no object to the Jones. I mean, if they eat the McCarthy contract, they eat it and call it a bad decision. It would surprise me, but I'd be fine with it. I, I don't think he, he's obviously not done a good job. Um, I think like in his last 16 games, he's three and 13 or something like that. And that counts going back to Green Bay. So I don't think he's some big time football coach. I didn't love to hire when they hired him. Um It would surprise me that they would get rid of him after one year, but I've been surprised. Who would you? What kind of guy would you go after and try to hire? Well, uh, I mean,
0: uh, Lincoln Riley is always going to be on my list. I don't expect that he would he would do that, but Eric Bieniemy would be i uh, ideal target number one. Yeah, Um, it's you know the thing to me that is is crazy. You watch a team like the Ravens run offense, and you watch a team like the Kansas City Chiefs run offense and it's not just the creativity but it's it's simple things like how much they use motion and what they do with their quarterback that isn't just like drop back 3 steps and throw the football yeah that it separates i think an offense in Dallas that has as many weapons as anybody in the NFL yep from from being predictable and boring and really i mean even when Dak was there how many times were they actually good When the game was close and on the line for the majority of the time the offense wasn't great until the opponent had a three or four touchdown lead and what happens defenses go into prevent mode they go into you know we're just going to let you pick up small chunks of yardage make the clock our ally and and when dallas was getting blown out yes dak prescott at the end of those games would end up with like 450 yards but a lot of that came in the final like quarter and a half
1: Man, it, you you sign me up for Eric Um, You know it's always a little bit risky when you hire a coordinator because you don't know how they're going to be as a CEO. Um, but you know he's as bright a guy as there is uh, running offense in the NFL. Um, I think I would pick Eric Bienname in front of Lincoln Riley to be a, a head football coach in the NFL. So you want to fire Mike McCarthy and hire Eric Bieniemy? I mean, I am here for it. I just am not sure they're going to do that, but. I love where you're coming with that. I mean, I, I think what he's done with Patrick Mahomes, and it's simple things, and it's it's part of what I talked about with the way OU runs offense, and they get their quarterback out um, out of the pocket, and they do they do different things to put pressure on defenses, and it just opens so many things up. Um, what he's done in an Andy in learning under Andy Reid, who's been running unbelievable offense his whole life, um, I, you can sign with as many weapons as, as Dallas has. Um, I can see them scoring a bunch of points. I thought they'd score a million points this year, and they they didn't. So, um, I, I like I said, I said I think they'll fire Kellen Moore. I think that's probably going to happen, um, no matter even if Mike McCarthy's back. But you you sign me up for Eric B. Enemy.
0: Yeah, Kansas City's had offensive line issues, not not nearly to the to the point that Dallas has, but they still find ways around them. I understand that that Dak Prescott is not Patrick Mahomes, but I mean there are drives where it just seems like they do nothing but screen pass you to death and even their screen passes look like they're drawn up in the heavens. I mean, it is the most <laughs> incredible looking play that you've ever seen in the history mm-hmm. of football. And it's, it's something very simple, but they found a way to to run mm-hmm. it in a way that the defense has no idea what you're doing.
1: Yeah, and it's something new every week. It's mm-hmm. something, you watch a Kansas City Chiefs game and you go, wow, I've never seen that. Yeah. You know, you don't, when you watch the Cowboys play, you say, "Oh, I've been I've been watching that for 50 years." Um, so I, I think that's a that's a if they can go get Eric Bieniemy and it's not my money, it's Jerry Jones' money. So right, right. he wants to to write the check to Mike McCarthy and say, "Mike, thanks, but you know, get the f out of here." Um, I, Eric Bien-Aimé, I when I asked you, um, that's the guy I was thinking that, that would be kind of the next guy in line to be a big time football coach. Um, you signed me up for Eric Bieniemy all day long.
0: All right, so I haven't asked you this, and I haven't asked you this purposely because I wanted to have the conversation with you when I got you on the podcast. Jay. What do you do if you end up with the first or second pick in this NFL draft? Because you and I are both on team tank and get the best yes. draft pick possible because you're not accomplishing anything out of this season anyway. But what do you actually do with that pick when it comes? If And I, I, again, I understand you're probably not getting the first pick, but if things were to materialize that way, do you get Trevor Lawrence? If you get the second pick and Trevor Lawrence is gone, do you go Justin Fields? If you get the third pick and they're both gone, then it becomes a discussion of you know maybe what is the biggest need or or is there clearly a, a best available player? But uh, one of my buddies uh, sent me a text yesterday and he said I'm I'm totally in, uh, or totally on team. Let let Dallas screw up this draft pick. Because he believes, even if you tank and get a good one, they're going to make the wrong decision when that time comes. But what is that decision for you?
1: Yeah, it's not a quarterback. I mean, I, I, for me, it's it's not a quarterback. I think they have a good enough quarterback. I mean, you win and lose in the NFL on your quarterback. Um, so I think Dak is plenty good to win. I mean, Dak is a as a rookie, where they go thirteen and three, mm-hmm. think with uh, with Dak and Zeke as rookies. So I mean, building up the offensive line would be priority number one for me because I think Dallas is built totally wrong. You watch the best teams in the NFL, um, they're built from inside out. I mean, it, it doesn't matter who Aaron Rodgers has playing, running back or wide receiver, like he's Aaron Rodgers, their offensive line's gonna be good, their defensive line's gonna be good, and that's and and they they win 11, 12, 13 games every, every single season. Dallas is terrible on their offensive line now. Their best years were when they had a really good offensive line. So I would try to build back that offensive line, protect Dak. You've, you've you're gonna. I mean, I, you've already paid Ezekiel Elliott, so you're you're kind of stuck with that contract. Um, but I don't think. I mean, you think Trevor Lawrence is going to take this team to the Super Bowl in the next two or three years? I don't. Man, I got no. too many other needs. No, not I mean no.
0: But so, but I think because you said that they have too many other needs, there is the idea that because there's so much there, you're not going to Super Bowl even if you retain Dak Prescott, and you're certainly not filling those needs without a bunch of draft picks because when you have the money that is dedicated to Zeke Elliott, Amari Cooper, and Jalen Smith, like the idea in the NFL is the cornerstone pieces that you have to pay big money to are offensive tackles, quarterbacks, right. shutdown corners, and pass right. rushers. Right. Dallas has dedicated big chunks of their pie to running back, receiver, and linebacker. And a lot yep. of people would say, there's no way that you're going to, short of drafting those guys, you're not going to be able to fill those holes that are key holes to becoming a good football team. So you might as well get young at the quarterback position with what might be the most promising prospect since Andrew Luck at that position, save the however $150 million that it's going to cost to retain Dak along with the bad contracts you've given out and, and just kind of reset that side of things to a degree. I think it would be hard for me to pass on Trevor Lawrence if he's there. If he's gone, I think I'm on the other side of it. I think you franchise tag Dak Prescott. And I know it's going to cost a bunch of money, but you've decided to put this off for two seasons now. Yeah. And he's hurt, so it makes more sense to just franchise tag him and and protect yourself and then just pay him a boatload of money if he comes back and has another incredible season. But, yeah, I think you go offensive line or if there's a defensive tackle – in this draft that is you know a, a Gerald McCoy and Dominican Sue you know top 5 can't miss type interior guy i think that's the way you got to go part of the reason Dallas defensively is so bad they've they've dedicated so many resources to just pass rushers just pure pass yeah. rushers and and so many times they're moving pass rushers inside they can't stop the run at all and they were built to to play from ahead they were built to force other teams into having to throw the football, and then they unleash all these pass rushers that they've acquired to, to get yep. after the passer, and nobody's falling behind them, and they are just getting absolutely trounced.
1: Yep, uh, this, I saw a stat that this, when they were ahead in the first half at the two-minute warning um, against the Steelers in the first half, it's the first time that Dallas has been ahead at the two-minute warning of any half all season. Wow, yeah, that's unbelievable. I, I actually think the perfect scenario for Dallas, and at, you make a good point about Dak Prescott and, and save the hundred fifty million and 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 start anew with Trevor Lawrence. I, I think all that's fine. Um, if I think you hope that Trevor Lawrence or or uh, Justin Fields is is there when you draft, because I actually think there's a pretty good um, argument to be made to move down in the draft, even if you draft, you know, at at seven and seventeen or something like that try to get try to get more picks out of it because you do have a lot of holes and I don't think quarterback is one of them so if 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 Lawrence or Fields is there I think there's a deal to be made with somebody else that you could you could trade down
0: yeah look I think Dak is a top 10 quarterback uh honestly if you're if you're giving me a draft right now to determine who I would want over the next five years Dak Prescott's probably in the six seven eight range yeah of, of all quarterbacks in the NFL that I would take for the next five seasons uh, so I, I'm with you I don't think that he is the problem but looking at the holes they have what can be filled the amount of money they've spent and the amount of money that it's going to cost to retain him as well as try and fix some of your massive issues I don't know that it doesn't make more sense to take what is potentially a generational talent at the quarterback sure. position for uh, considerably cheaper
1: yeah, I mean, look. If you if you think Trevor Lawrence is going to be Aaron Rodgers, then then you draft him. I Man, I, yeah. let's just be honest. Yeah. That's that's what if you if you think he is Peyton Manning or Aaron Rodgers, then that's what you have to do. But in order to draft Trevor Lawrence, that's what you have you have to think he is a generational yeah. guy that's going to be your quarterback for the next twenty years. They didn't think that about Prescott, that's why they drafted him in the third round. Um, he might be that now, but. I, quarterback's not your main issue, but if if you think that's the guy that's gonna be the, the best quarterback, the best player in the NFL for the next twenty years, well then that's that's your draft.
0: Yeah. And and look, I'll also say this. I know a bunch of people want them to go defense, 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 because like I said, two weeks ago this this group was on pace to be the worst in the history of the NFL. I, I, I would say that under Rod Marinelli and Chris Richard that group overachieved a lot. And mm-hmm. those two guys somehow got a considerably better product out of a defense that still had a lot of the same holes that this one has. Mm-hmm. I kind of think that that Mike Nolan is a bigger issue than even the holes that they do have from a personnel standpoint. And, and we understand interior defensive line, massive issue. Entire secondary, massive issue. They've, yeah. they've not dedicated any resources to the safety position. I, I don't think since like Roy Williams... In the early 2000s, it's you know it, at some point they're going to have to address some positions and do something with some positions. But I do think that we've seen considerably better from this defense with different defensive coordinators, even with those same holes being in place.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, you know, they signed Brandon Carr years ago after the good years, and you know, and 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 he was okay. I think they drafted pretty well with the uh, you know Byron Jones and uh, Uzier out there, but then. They had to pay him and they chose to pay jalen smith in, instead of the, the corners and so you know, those are the personnel decisions that they've made and in my opinion they've paid some of the wrong guys in, in instead of those other two guys but but you know those are the things that um those decisions that they made
0: yeah yeah it's uh it's i i just i'm blown away that by this point in the season we are talking about the Cowboys losing every game the rest of the way and even having a shot at a top five pick because beginning of the year and I I, I probably need to send my tweets to freezing cold takes I, oh, I legitimately yeah. thought this team had a chance to to make a run I didn't pick them to go to the Super Bowl I had the Saints preseason but yeah. I, I I had them number two I had them in the NFC championship game and and I think that part of it makes it even more frustrating as a fan to to finally be in this position where you feel like from a talent standpoint they finally got the group of guys that you feel like could put it together and it's and they're one of the worst teams in the league
1: uh, i i've been going go 12 and 4 um yeah. when i look at the nfc east i go all those teams stink and they <laughs> and, I was, and they do you go those teams stink they're gonna they might run the table five and yeah, one they or they six and oh is what i thought yeah they might go six and oh against those yeah. jabronis um, so then now you got to go six and four against the rest of your schedule. So I've been going to go 12 and four, and um, I'm only going to miss that by about 12 wins. <laughs> now, wh- wh- what are they now? Wh- wh- what are the Cowboys now? They are two and seven. So, I'm gonna, so I might miss it by 10 wins. Man, I don't know that they'll win another game. They might. How I about guess. this?
0: They have the same amount of wins as Bill Belichick does.
1: Whew. Well, I know who's got the better coach
0: so maybe maybe coaching isn't everything but it's
1: no uh that's true once Dak went down it was yeah. that was pretty much it yeah um they're the patriots and the cowboys are playing with about the same caliber of quarterback what
0: a joke it is by the way that tonight we have the patriots and the jets on monday night football this is how you're going to end our week from a football standpoint patriots jets
1: you're are you a gambler do you, do you do you you gamble no is this no okay i, mean, I see i don't either so like i know that when i was in college i used to gamble a little bit you know that we didn't have any money so whatever we didn't spend at the bar we would put on the games for the weekend and um you get to monday and monday's like you're either you're win it back win it all back or lose enormous like who's gambling on the patriots and i guess that would it's the only way to make that game entertaining because i mean that's that it's gonna be a terrible football game tonight and we're all gonna watch because what else are you gonna watch you're gonna watch like Storage Wars or oh. something. I mean, I didn't watch the football game.
0: I'm I'm going to desperately search Netflix to see if there's something that I haven't <laughs> uncovered yet. Uh, and I, sh- you know what I should have done? I, have you seen The Queen's Gambit yet on Netflix?
1: No, I don't even know what this
0: is. Okay, so it's a uh, it's a fictional story about a a an orphan girl that is like a chess prodigy. <laughs> uh, it doesn't okay. it doesn't sound entertaining. <laughs> I I get that. On the surface, right. it sounds very boring but uh I heard good things about it I gave it a okay. shot last week okay. especially like Tuesday and Wednesday of last week when when we were without sports and and needed right. an escape uh I was completely captivated by it loved loved it and, and finished it in two days I probably should have saved that knowing that the the Patriots Jets was coming but that was pretty good
1: yeah I <laughs> I, uh, I don't have a lot of TV time here. I've yeah. got a four month old, right? So <laughs> right. Um, like my whole life at this point, mostly is trying to keep him from screaming at me. <laughs> so like that is, that is literally my whole life is, can you keep him from screaming at the moment? Can you feed him enough? And can you successfully rock him to sleep in your arms and get him on the, on the bed somehow without him waking up. Like that's, that's the entirety of my life at this point. And once I get him down for the night, I go straight for the booze and I'm like, okay, (laughs) I got like 30 minutes here, man. What can we do? And, uh, and so the Netflix time, I don't have a lot of it.
0: I hear you. I, I remember those days. I, yeah. The only time I watched Netflix was at like three in the morning when I was trying to rock him back to sleep
1: yeah that that don't make sense and usually it was Uh, on mute so i'm like trying to turn the lights on yeah if i can keep the lights off maybe his eyes will stay shut and it's just like the game you play it's it's the get down on your knees and pray do not open your eyes please you know you're cutting into my sleep time
0: yeah well i had to give him a pop tart and set him up with tony hawk before we started this that's just to satisfy him long enough so that we could do this and here's the thing i'm gonna get done with this and go take away the the control and all hell is going to break loose for the next four hours and then i'm going to be like do you want some lunch and he's going to want another pop tart because that's all he wants to eat <laughs> i'm going to try to get him to eat some veggies or something else and he's not going to have it and so it's still the same thing it's just a new set of problems as they get
1: older yeah no i get that um but at least he can wipe his own ass well sometimes 50
0: percent of the time yeah
1: <laughs> it's 50 percent better than i got <laughs> Uh-huh. And and if he's hungry, if all hell breaks loose, he could go to the pantry yes. and get his own food. Yeah,
0: very. Yeah, that's very true. He's he we, he's recently learned that he can take his step stool around the house to. There you go. At least yeah. pull How some things down that he needs. He just turned four, like a month ago. Just
1: turned four. All right. You see, I got a niece who's five, and she's yeah. lived with us some, and 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 uh, so she's five and a half. So I I kind of know the age. that yeah. I, I didn't know the baby stuff. I knew the. I knew they're like toddler to now five and a half. Right. I know how to deal with that. Right. The baby stuff is is all new and um, we're, we're, we're getting along.
0: There you go, there you go. Always appreciate along. it, my friend. Let's catch up yeah, again soon. Is. Brian Keating, sports director for KOCO Channel 5, joining me on the Colby Daniels Podcast. That is it for this episode of the Colby Daniels Podcast. Once again, thank you to Brian Keating, sports director, KOCO Channel 5, for joining me this afternoon this podcast is presented by artisan botanicals in midwest city check out their website abotanicalcompany.com. give them a call 405-458-9699 check out their line of natural medicine products find out how those products can help you every day in your everyday life they're about helping people live better lives and i certainly have benefited from a few of their products so check it out i'm a customer highly recommend. And and again, great ownership, great people, and they're doing their best to make the world a better place around them. So Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City, abotanicalcompany.com, 405-458-9699. Once again, hit me up on Twitter at Colby underscore Daniels, Instagram, Colby dot Daniels. Uh, if I'm being honest, I probably share a little bit more uh, of my everyday life on Instagram. So if you're curious about any of that, um, uh, you know, a lot of my everyday life stuff is is uh sent via instagram stories so you can check that out and obviously i'm talking sports on twitter every day but uh just another avenue for you to follow if you're interested uh again thank you to everybody that's tuned into the daily stream uh the audio version of these streams is available on all the podcast platforms that you've been listening to this podcast in the past so uh check that out apple spotify tune in stitcher uh Amazon now has a podcast platform that, that we've signed up for. So, um, most of the, the big podcast platforms, you can find this daily stream available as soon as, uh, probably I would guess approximately an hour after the stream ends, it's available uh, via audio. So check that out. Anyway, thank you guys. Everybody stay safe. Have a great day and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay. It's is over.